Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner where we talk with other coaches and people who inspire, move, and motivate people to action. Listeners will learn about coaching and the many coaching niches and have an opportunity to ask questions of the many wonderful coaches who are my guests. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the phone number is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number one, that will let me know that you want to ask a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in and post questions. My guest tonight is Deborah Grayson Regal who is a dynamic, creative, and results-driven speaker, trainer, consultant, and coach. Her latest endeavor, www.readytorollout.com, offers high-quality, completely customizable, professionally written, and designed workbooks on a variety of personal and professional development topics for coaches, trainers, speakers, learning and development professionals, or others who provide direction and support to make positive changes in work and life. Deborah is also known for her company, My Jewish Coach, which helps Jewish individuals and organizations to have success without the choice. You can learn more about Deborah at MyJewishCoach.com and ReadyToRollOut.com. Deborah, are you with us? I am with you, and I want to say, Oy Vejmir. <laughs> Oy Vejmir. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Oh, wait, I have a little, the, the band wants to play. Let's see, are they here? <laughs> That's right. It's unbelievable. If I can get this thing to stop, that's even better. Okay, Coaching great. Coaching is a mitzvah, Andrew. Coaching, Coaching is, is a mitzvah. mitzvah. That's right. That's our theme. <laughs> I, I actually have been waiting all week to press that button and play the little piece of klezmer music. You did it beautifully. Your mother would be so proud. She would be so proud. <laughs> it's actually the first time I've ever done a sound uh, thing on the show. I'm just very excited about that. Well, we'll say a shahianu and uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so, Deborah, yes, tell me how did you come to do the things that you do? What's your story? Well, my uh, my story is, uh, you know, every, every coach that I know has come into coaching through some kind of interesting path, um, and I, I actually think my entry into the world of coaching and training probably started a little bit earlier than most people when I was a uh, kid, uh, a teenager growing up in New York City, I was uh, lucky enough to have the opportunity to go to Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan, and I was uh, recruited immediately upon uh, entrance for the Stuyvesant High School speech and debate team. And I spent every weekend of my life traveling around North America competing in speech contests. I was incredibly blessed and lucky and fortunate that all of that hard work paid off. When I was 17 and a senior in high school, I won the national championship in public speaking and speech writing. So what that actually afforded me was an opportunity 
starting at age 17 to go into colleges and schools and organizations and become a presentation skills trainer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like too many other people's path into the world of training and, and coaching, does it? <laughs> so I honestly can say that I am still doing my high school extracurricular activity. I'm just doing it as my job. While I was uh, in college and and then again in grad school, I would spend my summers doing presentation skills, training. I also uh, dabbled in improv comedy, which I know is something that is uh, fun for you to talk about also. Oh, love improv. I I, I did three years of improv training back in the early 80s with the National Improvisation Theater. Yes, and wasn't that fantastic? Uh, yes, and it was. It was uh, something that, and the thing about it is that I use the skills that I learned in improv to this day, and not just in, I mean, I don't go out and do improv per se, but I'm always improvising, and the thing about it is I'm always like in, you know, in the in the uh, the moment with people, I'm in the in the you know, looking for a yes, you know, and being the yes for people, so that we can support each other, and so that anything is possible when you're having a conversation. Yes, and yes, what and. I yes, and <laughs> yes, and uh, for anybody listening who has said, "What are these two smoking?" Uh, let's just take a minute to talk about yes, and yes, and is a mm-hmm. uh, a foundational improvisational exercise tool game that mm-hmm. is ab- about supporting your partner, furthering the action, deepening the movement, which are all sort of fundamental skills and competencies involved in coaching. And so you're absolutely right, Andrew. There are a lot of similarities between what we learn in improv and what we do as uh, coaches and, and uh, you know, helping professionals. Mm. So, but I digress. Or, <laughs> yes, okay. and I digress. So I had the opportunity to do all this presentation skills training as well as uh, do improv. I went and went to Columbia for grad school, got a master's in social work, and about three-quarters of the way through my social work program, I realized I was miserable. I did not want to do social work. I did not want to do therapy. And this was, at this point, I think a $70,000 discovery. Wow. Columbia ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready to sort of throw my hands up and call this a very expensive wasted experience when my uh, social work in, uh, supervisor at the time said to me, look, there's a class being offered called training and staff development. Why don't you take that? And I took it. And day one of the class, I said, oh, my goodness, this is what I have been doing since I was 17 years old. I didn't understand that this was actually a profession going into organizations and helping develop staff and lead training and do coaching and all that sort of thing. So every job that I've had since leaving social work school has been in some kind of training and development capacity. Five and a half years ago, I left my last full-time position, which was the uh, Director of Education and Training for the Mandel Center for Leadership Excellence at the Federations of North America, left that position and launched my own training and coaching firm called Elevated Training, which was actually one of the things not mentioned in my very long and illustrious bio. (laughs) And I guess within two years, I realized that I had a couple of 
I had two distinct audiences. I had the corporations and government agencies that were bringing me in to do training on presentation skills and communication skills and supervision. And then I had this whole separate Jewish practice. So I launched myjewishcoach.com to really create a, a niche for myself and a brand for myself. And it's been phenomenal and fantastic. Never one to just rest, always a an entrepreneur at heart. Mm-hmm. I realized that I had a tremendous amount of content that I was developing with workbooks and handouts and job aids. I also had a, uh, a coaching partner who I, who I felt very comfortable going into business with who also had a tremendous amount of content. And the two of us decided that we wish somebody had been there for us to say, here's some ready-made, high-quality content developed with instructional design principles in mind. Take it, make it yours. And that didn't exist, so we decided to launch that. And that's how readytorollout.com came into play, which is really about offering coaches, speakers, trainers, HR professionals, development professionals, really high-quality workbooks, materials that folks can use either as is or completely taken apart. It's up to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, the books are – workbooks are so good that, in fact, I sell my version of them on my MyJewishCoach.com website – I've changed them a little bit to sort of look like me and sound like me, but basically they are the content that's available and ready to roll out, and I'm really, I'm really proud of how it turned out. Wow. So uh, and this sounds very exciting to somebody like me who I would love to do some of the things that you talk about that you've had a lifetime of experience doing, and I'm just now starting to get into the things like getting up and speaking and training people. So how would that work for somebody like myself? Yeah, well, so what we know is that the single biggest way that entrepreneurs can bring in business is through speaking. I mean, countless countless uh, surveys and pieces of market research show that getting up in front of a group is the single most powerful way that you can bring in clients. What I often hear from coaches and, uh, you know, even people who are massage therapists or financial planners or whatever it may be, I hear them say, sure, I could figure out what to talk about, but what am I going to give them? Like, where's the meat? Where, where, how am I going to sort of design my talk, and then what am I going to hand out to people? So the way that somebody who was up in front of a group could use this is literally it is a ready-to-go workbook you could Literally just insert your name and bio in there, and it is yours and it is ready to go. But we don't want people to stop there and say, okay, yes, I have a workbook. Because you get the content in a Word document, a beautifully formatted Word document, but if you want to take it apart, who cares about the formatting, you can use this as the content for your newsletters or for your blog Mm. or record it and make it a podcast, make it a teleclass series. Make it a you know a, a piece of mindful information every day, and you break it up into 365 pieces of content. You can do anything you want, and the topics are so rich and also really relevant to a coaching, speaking, and training and HR audience. Things such as uh, doing doing more in less time, overcoming obstacles, dealing with difficult people, managing change processes. Uh, actually, my my best-selling book, which is, is purchased by a lot of 
career uh, and transition coaches is one that's about should I stay or should I go, and mm. it's about how to figure out, especially in this tough economy, how you can stay in the job that you realize you don't love, but it is a job. So how do you make more out of the job that you have, and how do you know when it really is time to uh, time to cut bait and, and get out of there? So there are many, many ways, and in fact, I was just emailing today with a director of HR for a major financial services company here in New York who I know is looking to create professional development on a shoestring. That's, that's what's happened in the world of human resources and training, and so she's looking at these books as, as something that she can put her company's brand on and use them as staff training or even use them as uh, self-motivated, self-directed coaching guides. So I use them for my clients, and it's also my pleasure to, uh, at a very, very affordable price, uh, sell the licenses to people. The, the, our you know, beginning package is $97 for you to have the license to sell it, to, you know, license to use it or sell it to 100 people. Really? Yeah, 97 bucks. And the way in which the amount of money goes up, because I want to have sort of truth in advertising, is if you decide that you want to work with our graphic designer to create something that absolutely looks and feels uniquely like you, there'd be money involved for paying for a graphic designer. But our graphic designer, who is so talented and does all of my stuff, is giving us an incredible bargain of her time. So something like an additional $150 for eight hours of design time. Mm. I mean, that's outrageous. Yeah. And if you decide that you want to have the rights to sell this or hand it out to 200 people or 2,000 people, then you can pay for additional licenses. But if you think about 97 bucks gets you a workbook on a topic that's relevant to your audience, and you can do whatever you want with it, I really wish somebody had done this when I was starting out. I certainly would have taken advantage of it. And here I am thinking, I really wish somebody would come along and do something like this, and here you are. Bingo. It's unbelievable. Bingo. Yep. So it's really, it's really exciting for, for me to have this product line. And, again, it's, you know, I feel a little bit like hair club for men. Uh, I, you know, I'm also, I've, I'm also a user. I'm also a client. I sell these. These are my information products as well. But uh, I really come from a perspective of abundance, which mm -hmm. is the more, the more. The more, the more. The more, the more. Okay. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I try to apply that to all aspects of my business because I, I, I look, Andrew, you know there are, uh, I think the last statistic that I saw maybe with the International Coach Federation was there something like roughly 30,000 people hanging up shingles and calling themselves coaches. There I heard are, it was more like 250,000. Oh, well, so there you go. So the numbers are growing every day. And what I know is that you can take two perspectives about your business. Number one is everybody's competition, mm -hmm. or you can take the perspective called there is more business out there than any one of us will ever be able to handle in mm -hmm. a lifetime. Yes. Let's support and let's collaborate with each other. And I have firmly uh, found myself standing by choice in the second one. And, in fact, I coach an awful lot of new coaches 
folks who are just coming into the field, and I really invite them to stand in that second perspective called there is more than enough work out there. Mm -hmm. The people who are meant to be working with me will find me. Uh, They will find me if I'm doing really good strategic marketing. So marketing, in essence, is sort of fulfilling your mission and your calling because there are people out there who I believe really could benefit from my services and marketing to them is my mitzvah. They need to know know about me and know how to find me. But there's plenty of work out there, and even if I find somebody who does exactly what I do or, you know, there's a significant amount of overlap, I say, great, let's figure out how we can collaborate and come from a place of strength. I don't want to think about competition. It doesn't serve me, and I don't think it serves the industry. And, you know, this show is, that's where I step into that same place. Tell me more about that. Well, as you, as you may well know, I have, uh, I've had uh, the opportunity and the privilege of interviewing and, and, and talking with so many different coaches in different areas, and several of them, them have been very similar to what I do. And I've decided rather than this be the Andrew Poretz show, it's Coach's Corner. It's an opportunity for different coaches to get together and talk and share. And I'm perfectly happy to promote other coaches mm, mm-hmm. and, bring, and bring us all up together. Yeah. And what I've also found is that every coach that I've met has a series of different professional organizations that they're involved in. The, the three that I'm involved in are the International Coach Federation, mm-hmm. uh, American Society for Training and Development, ASTD, and the National Speakers Association. And most coaches have, you know, the ICF and maybe a couple of others, depending on what their niche, niche right. is and what their area of specialty is. Of all of the professional organizations of which I am a part, the ICF, International Coach Federation, truly does feel the most supportive, the most collaborative, and the most uh, generous of Spirit. And I like the fact that the organization is, in essence, walking its talk. Right. Yeah. Are you involved at all with ICF? I'm a member of uh, of the ICF. Okay. And I've been a member for uh, several years. Mm-hmm. I'm not yet uh, in uh, in in any of their certifications. Okay. And then, which is a whole interesting conversation to have of where we're going as a, as a profession uh in, in terms of in terms of certification credentialing and I know that you're you're uh, an ACC yes. and there are, there are currently 3 uh credentials there yes and it's it's still a big question of 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 how important is that how important will it be which I think is probably a bigger question well, in addition to how important will it be, having been at the ICF conference in Orlando in December, one of the major topics of conversation is a drive to possibly change the entire credentialing model. Mm-hmm. Is this new news for you? I've read a little bit about okay. it. I didn't. I did not go to that. I wish I had. But so it was. I, I had. You know, I had read a little bit here and there. It didn't really spark my interest until I actually. This was very interesting. I went to a workshop about diversity, 
and the diversity topic that they actually used to teach this coaching methodology was about the credential the the change in credentialing or the proposed change in credentialing which is an interesting way to come at the issue of diversity but they said people in this room have extremely diverse opinions mm -hmm. and feel really strongly about it so let's workshop this issue and what really emerged is that there are a pool of people who feel like we are just now starting to feel like we have educated the client base and the marketplace about what coaches do and what credentialing is. It's taken us such a long time mm -hmm. to, to teach the public about this. Why would we want to go ahead and change it? And then there's another camp that that is thinking about that there would just be one coaching credential. You're either a credentialed coach or you're not. And they say, you know, that, in fact, would be easier for the marketplace to understand. You're either licensed or not licensed, in other words. Hmm. And then some of the challenges to that was what has been very nice about the coaching profession is that it allows people to get into the credentialing process with a certain baseline level of education, coaching hours, and mentoring. And if, in fact, it moved towards one big credential, it may in fact shut out a lot of people who who were sort of lower in the credentialing process but otherwise would have been credentialed. So this was a very interesting debate, and I don't know that I necessarily have a strong opinion about it, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, and for me, who is a couple of pieces of paperwork away from a PCC, the second level of credentialing, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a, you know, kick in the tuchus to say, you know what, just go get that, go take care of that, so no matter what, you're in. Right, and, I, and I'm hearing this and going, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm forming an opinion, of course, without uh, complete information, but it's really, um, it, I, I could see that it could really uh, take a lot of people out of the game. Yes, it would. It could and would take a lot of people out of the game. And then that gets, which you know, which could also uh, bring into some other into play the fact that you know the ICF, although it is clearly the 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 uh, the, the, the lead runner in this race of of bringing uh, credentialing into and, and professionalism into the world of coaching, it is, isn't the only one. And so now that there's that might do you think it might lead other people to go to in a different direction? Well, I actually don't know who else would be offering coach credentialing. I mean, well, there's the I, IAC, and there's at least another couple of ones, uh, Coach U, and um, well, those are two different things, as far mm -hmm. as I know. And I'm more more than willing to have a caller call in and and you know correct us both. The International Coach Federation is the accrediting body, and well, but coach, wait, it's the accrediting body because they you realize that it's because they say so. There, there is no, in other words, there is no um, regulation of coaching. There is no official. See, they're not. A, there's no official yet coaching, because, and it won't be until until that becomes something that's official. It's like you could go get an accreditation to become a teacher in a high school in, in this country, and there is some body you will have to go through well, to get I it. Think it's, I think, and uh, I really do invite a caller who knows more than we do to yeah. answer this, but the, the coach training programs out there, so I'm, I'm a graduate of two different coach training programs, okay. Coach U and the Coaches Training Institute. 
both of those schools are accredited coach training programs, which right. means that your hours of education are recognized by the International Coach Federation. There are many schools out there that are not counted as accredited coach training programs through the International Coach Federation, which means they will not count towards your ICF credentialing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, and what we also know is that you actually don't need any kind of credentialing to call yourself a coach. Right. At this time, there yeah. is, there is, it's, it's like, it's like therapy used to be. Uh, Where anybody, anybody at one time could say, I'm a therapist. They put out a shingle that says, that's what I do. I, I am a counselor. I'm a therapist. And now you can't do that legally. Right, right. So this is, uh, this is you know, a bigger conversation. I, I do kind of feel like on one hand I know as much as I need to do, know to make sure that I am keeping up with my development and keep myself in the game, and at a certain point, it, it, I think it will feel like uh, there's, you know, there's a bigger stake. Oh, here. I know there's a bigger stake. Absolutely, I'm just not in there yet. Are you familiar with the International Association of Coaches? I am not. That's another organization, and they have a different credentialing system. They have a different, uh, they have slightly different uh, competencies in coaching that they measure. Okay. Different ways of doing it, and it's like it's, it's that's what I mean. Like when there's more than one camp. Mm -hmm. And because it's not regulated yet, coach, the business of coaching is not yet regulated. Uh, the, the the these are two organizations that both say we are the one. Mm -hmm. And there is now the I, ICF, I believe, has a, just a bigger following, and they're bigger. Uh, they have a bigger presence in the world. And but really, you have to realize this is a matter of, and this is certainly in the law of attraction of speaking things into existence. They have spoken themselves into existence in such a big way. Yes. Does that make sense? It, it absolutely makes sense. And actually, as you were saying that, I was thinking about when I launched the My Jewish Coach part of my business, I remember that I was at a conference. It was uh, one of the largest Jewish conferences there is. I had had this idea bubbling that I wanted to sort of break off this brand of my business, and I had bought the URL for myjewishcoach.com probably, you know, six months before. And as I showed up on registration day of this conference, I said, you know what? I am going to speak this business into existence, as you said. Mm. So I registered as myjewishcoach.com. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a website. I didn't have cards. I had nothing. But I said, this is who I am, and I, you know, networked the entire show as myjewishcoach.com and got feedback from people saying, what a great name, and, and I just spoke it into existence. So I love that idea that you put out there, Andrew, of you could just sort of speak it into existence, and that's probably a tool and technique that you use with your clients as I do with mine, which oh, is sure. make a declaration. Yeah, it starts from it starts from the everything starts from an idea that gets spoken that gets mm -hmm. connected to you know what's out there and 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 until you say it it's it's just a thought in your head and once you sit you start to say it and you start it you start to connect and you start to uh, attract to you the resources that you need and it all starts from. A, thinking it, and B, saying it. Yep, 
Absolutely. And, uh, and the My Jewish Coach part of me that knows uh, a lot about coaching and uh, actually not – not too much uh, biblical stuff because I came into my uh, my Jewish knowledge pretty pretty late in life. Late in life, she said in her she says in her late thirties. Well, uh, more recently <laughs> in life, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of the the story from from the Torah where uh, you know. Uh, Adam and Eve were were sort of naming things, and God was naming things, and it was by naming things that things came into existence. So I, I certainly use that in coaching. I ask people to sort of name what it is. And actually, I was over the last month or so, I've taught a number of different workshops on coaching skills for executive directors of organizations and for senior managers in organizations. And you know, when when people are learning coaching skills, one of the one of the issues that comes up that sort of paralyzes people as they're practicing their skills is what if I reflect back to somebody what I think they're feeling or what I think they're saying and I'm wrong. And what's so interesting about that is I find that some of the very best ahas for my clients come out of me naming it wrong. So, for example, I'll have a client who's talking about something going on at work and I'll say, wow, it it sounds to me like you are – really, really frustrated with your boss, and they'll say, no, it's not frustrated, I'm exhausted. And by me being willing to throw it out there and daring to be wrong, they were able to name it right for themselves, which moved the process along. So it's actually interesting, as you're learning to be a coach or learning coaching skills, the, uh, the Sort of dare to name it wrong is such a freeing and important tool because you naming it wrong helps your client distinguish what mm-hmm. it is and what it isn't. Sure. Yeah, I also do that uh, teaching coaching skills to basically people who aren't necessarily going to become coaches. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's a great skill. It's a great skill, and and one of the one of the key distinctions that I like to make early on is there's you know coaching the profession and mm-hmm. then coaching the communication tool. And sometimes it's hard for me to sort of separate out the profession from the communication tool, uh, and especially when folks are learning to use coaching skills inside an organization, there are some differences for how I would do it as an external coach. But just the, you know, I, I think the idea of bringing adoring curiosity to your conversations, no matter who you are, who you're talking to, and what your role is, but bringing adoring curiosity is so different and so freeing and so constructive for both the client and the coach that I tell people if you take nothing else away from this, just be curious and be adoring about it because we've all seen people who have been curious and obnoxious about it because Mm -hmm. they're actually not genuinely curious. So the combination of adoration and curiosity is a, is a very potent mix for people learning some coaching skills. Oh, that's great. You know, I, I, I taught this. I had a, uh, a workshop with a, a number of uh, people who they, they had no previous background really in the skill. And by the end of it, it was about three months. It was a three-month program that I took four and a half months. And just because it did. And the interesting thing is that out of the five people who completed that training, uh, two of them 
could easily be professional coaches now. Mm. And all of them, they they still, I mean, I see them and I see them regularly, they still use the language, the skills, the listening, uh, and it's it's like present all the time, and it's like, wow, that's really cool. It And it's transformational. It mm-hmm. really is. And, you know, from having been to coaching school twice, which kind of sounds like I got left back, but, <laughs> uh, but I digress, from having been to coaching school twice and seeing sort of where there's tremendous overlap and where there's some variations, I know that when I go back out, when I'm, when I'm in coaching school, it is this most loving and supportive bubble of people who are just there and fully present, and that the gift that you give someone of being fully present, you only realize when you have that gift how absent that, that is for most of us in our regular life because people are so distracted. And to have somebody who will sit with you a few times a month, whether it's in person or over the phone, and just be there and be present for you is tremendous. And I know that when I work with my coach, I value that just, Above all else, I know I know she's got other stuff in her life, and I know that in my chunk of time with her, I am the focus, and I love it. That's great. How long have you been with the, this coach? I have been with this coach, I think now for about four months. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about this coach is this coach was one of my instructors the first time that I went to coaching school, which I think was maybe – I want to say four years ago, and I immediately, right after coaching school, because I knew that I needed a mentor coach, I tried to hire her, and it didn't work because her timing is very scheduled, so she's a sort of every Tuesday at 11 kind of person, and because I'm on the road so much for uh, for my clients, I, I don't have a regular schedule, so we tried it. We tried to arrange it the first time. It didn't work. I had a couple of other coaches in the interim who I learned a lot from. I tried it again with her, and we realized that as much as we wanted it to happen, our schedules weren't going to mesh. And I guess about four months ago, I was feeling forlorn, and I was feeling forlorn because my previous coach became my business partner and ready to roll out, which Mm. means that we had to sever the coaching relationship to go into a partnership, and I was forlorn because I didn't have a coach. And I immediately went back to, you know, this woman who had been my first choice from the beginning, and I said, let's see if we can make this work. And lo and behold, uh, the universe opened up and answered, and we managed to find a pretty regularly scheduled time to be working together. And I am just just absolutely delighted. But I've, I've had several coaches over the last four or five years or so, and I have learned incredible things from them and about me with each of them. And, Mm. you know, and that's something that I tell my clients is, number one, that they uh, should be interviewing several coaches, and I get a lot of people who say, no, I want to work with you, and I say, that's great, and also do your research. I also let my clients know that they may need um, or want several different coaches over the course of their life, depending on what's going on for them. Yeah, I had, um, I'm currently coachless, by the way. You are. I am coachless in Seattle. I'm not in Seattle. Um, I had one coach, though, for almost three years. Mm. 
And it was really key. It was key in what for you? Uh, <clears throat> she was like really uh, important for me, especially when I was going through coaching school. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have completed it without the uh, Kind of support and accountability was really important. Support and accountability, uh, but a bigger part of it was just really getting to uh, finding m- my confidence in what I was doing. And how is it for you now to be coaching without a coach? Um, well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like I could drive a car pretty well without a driving instructor. Um, but where would I – maybe I could be Mario Andretti if I mm, – Ah, okay. So uh, a coach might help you sort of step into bigger potential than you're in now. And yes. what you're doing now is fine for now. Yes, and, yes, and, yes, and. <laughs> there are areas that I want to take, you know, where taking my business, so probably I might lean more towards a business-oriented coach to take me through some of the things that I need to do to, to become, live into my potential as a coach uh, uh, professionally and personally. Yeah, well, that's, and that's case in point, which is at, during your life, you'll, you may call in many different kinds of coaches. So mm-hmm. right now, it sounds like that's somebody who can help you sort of, uh, you know, define your niche and, and uh, advance your business would be uh, who you might be drawn to next. Sure. And, and you know, it's an interesting point, the, the analogy that you made about driving. I mean, I'm a native Manhattanite, and I came into driving like my Judaism later in life, uh, but... I believe that anybody could benefit from a coach, and I believe that nobody needs a coach. And that's an important piece of sort of, I guess, my work with myself, my work with my business, and my work with my clients is that as soon as I start feeling like somebody needs me, it creates a dependency that isn't healthy for coaching. So coaching, I think, is is an incredible uh support system, accountability measure, somebody who helps hold, helps you see your potential and hold you to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it is a need. I feel like it is such a lovely thing to have, but I'm really key in describing that difference to my clients because I never want to be sort of selling them on the fact that this is something you need. It's something that can help, and it's something that can help you get further faster than you might on your own. And because I believe that you are naturally creative um, and that you're naturally resourceful, you will be okay without coaching, too. Oh, but enough about me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about me. (laughs) And I believe that about you. Oh, thank you. Wouldn't Uh, that be fun to have a coaching, like a recruiting conversation right now? I could recruit you. No, I won't. (laughs) You know, but it's it's true. Like you know, you you don't need one doesn't need a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I often compare coaching in a lot of ways to uh, having a personal trainer. Yep. A fitness trainer, and the truth is, anybody can be self motivated, go to the gym, work out, and do pretty well. And if you've ever had a trainer, you know that that you just do more, you do better, you you go bigger, and you go faster when you have that with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great I think that's a great analogy. And you know, so many folks think of coaching as related to sports. So the the uh, analogy that you just created is really a nice transition from folks who are already thinking about coaching in the sports context 
to something that's actually a little closer to the kind of work that we do as a coach. Right, and you know, and 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 you know, it's happening less and less. But there, there was a time, especially earlier on, when when I brought up that I am a coach, and I wherever I go, I am Coach Andrew. That's my thing. I am Coach mm-hmm. Andrew. So I'm just to get it out there. You know me as that. And I used to get all the time. What what team? Oh, oh I love it. You know, and yeah, the, or the team of life. Right. Uh, team you. Know, you. <laughs> team team you exactly. Team you. I'm Team. I'm the head of Team U. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're the head of Team U. I'm that just the coach. Yes, that's right. That's right. So yeah, it's uh, and again, that's part of the education process. Is you know people people learning more about what coaching is, what coaching can do, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I want to ask you about this. I um, I've had a number of conversations over the last few months for uh, with coaches who bristle at the term life coach. And I am among <laughs> those coaches. I am too. Okay. So it's interesting. Uh, so I guess my question is, what's that about? And I'm in it. And I, I, I mean, is it because it feels flaky or it feels like uh, sort of the, the old way that people described what we do or it's too limiting? Although, I mean, to call life limiting is pretty depressing concept but what is it about life coach that doesn't resonate for you because it doesn't resonate for me either it, 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 it yes it, it does have a, a, a an, an edge of flakiness or actually there would be no edge that's maybe one right, of the right exactly it. it's, it's full, without yeah, the edge flake, right um it, it it makes one think of well you know how could you be uh i mean people you know have reacted to when they some people have reacted to that term with well you know what, you can't tell me what to do, and and I think they hear, for some reason, from the word life. I don't know why. Maybe because of lifeguard. Uh, maybe. I, maybe that there's something. Like like how could you how could you know how to tell me about my life? Right. Which is a conversation that this story they've made up about what this is. Oh yeah. And then I have the to you know undo that. What first. coaching is the total, the total opposite, opposite of what coaching yeah. is. So there's something in. That that and it's I, and I say it might more be from the reaction because I was going back to when I first heard about life coaching I didn't have that reaction my reaction was different and when I first heard about life coaching it was when actually somebody I'd heard the term a few times I'd heard coaching and somebody asked me about it and she was looking for a new career and thinking this might be good for her she was a, a successful businesswoman who was uh, semi-retired and looking for something else to do. She asked me to look at a website for her and give give her some feedback on what did I think if this was a good idea for her. And when I read the website, you know, much like you were describing how uh, things you were doing from the age of 17, is this is what you've been doing all your life. Yep. And you just recognize that. Well, when I saw that, I realized I've been coaching for decades, mm. but no, I, nobody was paying me for it. I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't even know that you could take that out of the conversation. You know, people have called me all the time and uh, and used me as a as, as a listening post because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good listener and I love to listen and I, you and are, I you're a great hear listener. people. Thank you. Now go and, back to talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you stopped me there for a second. Um, and uh, and but it's it's been all my life. I have have had people say, and usually what they would say to me, by the way, is, you know, have you ever thought of becoming a therapist? Yeah. And I had had no desire to become a therapist. I said I don't really want to solve people's problems, but what they really meant was I'm a good listener. 
I asked them good questions, and I, and I and I caused people to open up to me in a way that they people say to me, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I've never told that yes. to anybody, mm-hmm. and I mean people that I I meet, people that I know from all kinds of walks of life. They say that even my own dad opens up to me that way. You know, doesn't talk to anybody. Like, oh, but yeah, I can't believe I'm telling you this. That kind, that's the kind of thing. So I recognized that when I saw what coaching was. And at the time, oh, life coach, this sounds like a great idea. And then it, over time, and I think it was some of those reactions like you're speaking of, that it, it began to, to, to make me think differently. And so I've been, I like to say I eschew the life coach label mm-hmm. as much as I like. I love saying I'm a coach. Yes. I like to say I'm a life slash strategy coach because I'm really good at helping people get strategies together. Make sense? Yeah, it, it it definitely makes sense. And and what I'm also what I also find in addition to speaking with coaches who are sort of you know running running fast and furiously from the life coaching label is that most of my clientele is referral based. I would say mm-hmm. probably. of my work is referral-based. And whatever it is that I was, whatever the focus of the coaching was from the person who referred me is how the new person labels me. So, for example, I had a series of people who actually all knew each other where they would come to me when they were working, you know, in a financial services organization and they were trying to transition out. And so they called me, they would call me and refer to me as their career coach. Now, it didn't feel important to me to uh, change the label because that's how they were using me. Mm-hmm. That was their experience of me. And what the heck do I care? If they're calling me their career coach. And I've been called that, too. I've been used as I've a career been coach. I've worse. But I... <laughs> <laughs> But I, 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 that's not a place I would, I would not describe myself as a career coach because I, I don't really focus on, on the uh, corporate America. I actually, if anything, I, I'm more of a transition coach out of corporate America. Mm-hmm. And I don't call myself a career coach either. However, when people have decided that this is the issue that they want to focus on and somebody else has said, well, call my career coach, you know, it's, I, it, it really, you know, my, my, Goal is to serve, to make a difference, to have an impact, and mm-hmm. r- run a business at the same time. So what people choose to call me uh, is one thing. What I choose to call myself is another. So I wouldn't choose to call myself life coach. However, if somebody re- is referring a piece of business and says, call my life coach, do I really care? Uh, no, and no. I'm sure I, 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 don't, I don't care. Uh, either uh, as long as I am serving them and they are getting what they want from me, what they need from me. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, and here's the beautiful thing about about coaching, even though we all find ourselves in the various niches and we, we uh, develop different areas for ourselves, the skills of coaching can be used in any arena. And uh, because of the nature of coaching, which is an inquis- inquisitive listening skills, uh, we, we don't actually have to be an expert in any particular thing. Right. It helps. It helps to have a background in something. It helps to know, at least to be able to have a conversation, where the other person doesn't have to explain every other word. Yes. But it's uh, it's certainly not uh, not necessary. I've been able to coach in different different types of. Co- I've even been an executive coach for someone. 
And, you know, what's so interesting about that is there's a real distinction, and, and this is a conversation I have with when I coach new coaches, that there's a distinction between your area of expertise and your niche. And your niche are the people with whom you work. So, for example, in myjewishcoach.com, my niche are Jewish professionals and professional Jews. Like if there's, you know, if you're a Jew and there's uh, Jews in your family, whether you're working for a Jewish organization, you're working for any kind of organization, you are my niche. However, I also have a specialty or an expertise. I have a couple of areas of expertise, but my number one specialty is the thing I've been doing for 20 years, presentation skills. And a big chunk of my corporate practice, elevated training, is about presentation and communication skills. Now, to me, the, you know, the, the greatest thing is when somebody in my niche needs some coaching around my area of expertise. I mean, that's when it all comes together. So mm. a Jewish professional who needs to work on presentation skills, that is amazing, and uh, it rarely happens. So, um, so that's fine. I'm happy to get my expertise needs met. I'm happy to get my niche needs met, and they actually don't have to overlap. But part of the drive for putting together these workbooks in readytorollout.com is because I do have some advice, and I do have some knowledge, and I do have some content areas about which uh, I know a little bit of stuff and maybe a little bit more than the people who are coming to me for help. And these workbooks allowed me to combine some basic, no-nonsense, step-by-step strategies and advice givings in, in, you know, eight different areas, as well as fill it with exercises that allowed pe- allows people to do self-reflection, self-analysis, and take a coaching approach to a, a, a topic of interest. Which is huge, and you know, and you're speaking to somebody who needs to learn these things. By the way, uh, which things? The these skills. Oh, these skills. <laughs> these skills of uh, presenting, and uh, you're you're speaking right now to somebody who has I'm a, speaking to itching, my, itching am, to be in front of rooms. I am I am speaking there to my holy of holies because you are a Jew who happens to want to talk about presentation skills, and my heart is pounding. Oh, absolutely, as it I should. Oh, look at the, the the klezma guy just ah. came back. That's, that's how exciting it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. May we only know from Simchas. <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm tickling myself. I wish I could get this thing to stop now, but it's just kind Uh-oh. of frozen. So we'll talk over it. We'll dance a little. We'll have a little schnapp. We can get it down to 9%. We'll have a little schnapps. It's a good thing. So we still have a little bit of time remaining. If this thing ever ever slows down, I'll be able to stop it. That's really, well, maybe we'll just have a you know a musical ten minutes. We we'll do a little dance. So if anybody is listening live and you have a question, the phone number again is six four six nine two nine two eight nine three. Wow, this is just not going to stop, will it? <laughs> you know, I there's like it. a We're little button here, it. and it's just I can't I, I, I can't make it stop. I really just wanted to do this for two seconds. Is there something you could possibly throw out a window? Uh, possibly. Okay. I don't know if I... I if we're going to go with it. We're going to call this... Uh, this is going to be our incidental music. Okay. Okay, it's festive. Very festive. This is... This is, you know, this is one of the things I, I love the blog talk radio, but they their 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 um, website uh, sometimes does very tricky things. 
this is one of those times when I had to have the ability to play some sounds. Oh, it was here. Finally, I can stop it. Oh, good. Ah. No, it's back. <laughs> and it came back louder than ever. Stop it already, With would you? more joy and more success. Like the band does not want to quit. Let me tell you guys, you're not getting overtime tonight. Okay. There we go. All right. Oui. <laughs> Ready to queue up the uh, Mexican mariachi band? <clears throat> yeah, that, that'll be coming on any second now. The, and I have no doubt. The Jewish Mexican. Yeah, well, there you hey, We're everywhere. Absolutely. So, yes, okay. Well, where were we before the uh, Klezmer band? Ruby I think you were, you were taking calls. Okay. And they're coming in fast and furious. Coming in fast and furious. Actually, we did have a caller who dropped off. <laughs> oh, I can. Well, invi- invite him or her back. Uh, what a shame. Um, what Put was the I number gonna... out there again. The number again is six four six nine two nine two eight nine three. And you know, and one of the things we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about speaking things into existence, and um, and we're talking about accountability. And there's a quote that I absolutely love, which is about commitment. My most favorite quote about commitment, and it's a quote by a man. Uh, who uh, named W. H. Murray, who wrote a book called The Scottish Himalaya Expedition, mm. and his quote is often um, mistakenly attributed to ghosts. Okay. And this is this is the the piece of the this is only a piece of the quote is from this book about commitment, and this is one of these things that I will tell people whenever they're getting ready to start something, and they're having a hard time getting started. And they're coming up with all kinds of reasons and excuses. And they say, I don't know if I can do it. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have the, you know, blah, 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 that conversation. I know that conversation. So here is a quote, that, and you can quote me on this quote. Okay. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back concerning all acts of initiative and creation there is one elementary truth that ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance which no man could have dreamed would have come his way. Whatever you can do or dream you can do, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. Wow. That's the end of the quote. How has that resonated for you? Wow. Well, that, I mean, for an example, I'm thinking there's so many times when that has been something I've been able to say, okay, I just got to do this no matter what. Mm-hmm. Coaching school would be an example. Getting uh-huh. to, you know, getting started, finding the resources, going to college. Uh, when I did uh, the, I did a, um, a, a fundraiser, a bike run, a bike, a bike uh, a fundraiser for the um, multiple uh, sclerosis uh, society. And it was a hundred miles. Mm. Oh my gosh! And that was about. Uh, 80 more miles than I had ever gone. Okay. 
and it you know required putting together a team and it required fundraising and I had all kinds of reasons not to, you know to talk myself out of doing it but I was doing it for a particular person who in in this man's honor when I discovered he had this 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 terrible affliction and I went out and and I the, out of the commitment to do it all sorts of things came to me and I was able to uh raise a, an awful lot of money and and um and get through this uh, it took me, I think, 11 hours <laughs> to, to ride 100 miles. I was one of the last five people. I have to, to say, I'm it. incredibly impressed. 11 but I hours, did it. No, 11 hours. Yes, you did. And it sounds, it sounds like at the at the core of the quote and at the core of your experience is the idea that if you uh, commit to it and step into it, mm-hmm. that the universe will come meet you. That's the big key. The universe yeah. comes. They, you have to put it out there. You have to commit to it. And um, you know, one of the things I was talking to uh, to, to somebody uh, today about this, about the uh, the uh, the troll in the road. Um, when I years ago, I had had this uh, epiphany about being on the radio. Of, you know, I mean, the real radio, not blog talk radio. But I, I had this epiphany that I, I ought to be on the radio. Okay. And I was so excited. I was, I mean, I remember being literally doubled over with excitement from, you know, I was like in tears from this revelation that came to me. I finally know what I want to do with my life. This was in the early 90s. And I set out to, I went to a, an audition at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, which is no longer with us. And um, they said, great, and we'll give you a partial scholarship. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work. And I'm going to get everything together. And finally, I mentioned to a friend of mine who was in the radio field, he was sort of related to radio, and he said, oh, you have to kill my, give my friend a call. He's a professor. And I called the fellow up. He was one of those guys with a radio voice all the time. Hi, how are you? You know, I understand uh, you wanted to talk to me. What about? And I told the fellow that it, uh, this, he was a professor at NYU that I had this epiphany. I want to be in the radio. And and he asked me how old I was. At the time, I was 35 years old. He said, but you're too old. It's too late. You oh, can't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. You'll never make a dime. Oh, maybe you'll, you know, sure, if you want to you work out in the middle of nowhere in a five-watt station. But it's too late for you. And, and I listened to him. I really did. I, he, he just burst my bubble. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I never took another step towards it. And what I realized only in the last couple of years, Deborah, is that that man was the troll in the road, like in an adventure game. Yep. You have to get past the troll to get onto the bridge to get to to the prize and all this, you know, to the next level. There's always these trolls in the road, and getting past the trolls in the road of life. Those are like tests. They're there for a reason. You have to get past them. It's not. It's not that. It's not that you're right or wrong in what you want to do, but you have to get past. That obstacle that's that's basically to prove that you really want it and that you're good enough. Yep, and uh, and so interesting that you mentioned that because one of the ready to roll out titles is overcoming roadblocks in work and life, and maybe we'll rewrite it or when you when you license it, you'll call it overcoming the trolls. Overcoming the trolls. Overcoming so, the trolls. So Deborah, guess what? We're down to our last uh, little over a minute left in the show. Okay. So right now is a good time for you to let everybody know where they can reach you, find you, and anything you want to offer them. Perfect. So, Go ahead. Okay. 
readytorollout.com for your ready-to-roll-out workbooks and newsletter and blog content. You can also come visit me at myjewishcoach.com. And starting later in the month of February, you will be able to read my column in the Jewish Week online, which I believe is uh, www.thejewishweek.org, and the first and third Thursday of every month. And you can also check me out at Elevated Training, www.elevatedtraining.com. And that's where you can find me. And in about 15 minutes, you're going to find me asleep in my bed. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Deborah Grayson Regal, for some wonderful information and a great conversation. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same back station. Have an outstanding next seven days. Good night.